Welcome to the market sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline, Chicago, Friday, October 12th. Hello again, Orion Samuelson along with Max Armstrong here for our weekly visit. And what a week it was on Wall Street. The stock market really took a drubbing and then today came back to recover some of the loss that we experienced early in the week. So let's take a look at uh, how we ended this week of turbulence on Wall Street. The S&P 500 snapped a six-day losing streak today thanks to technology stocks recovering after a week of losses and investors beginning to do some bargain hunting, shopping for bargain stocks ahead of the third quarter earnings report season, which really got started today with some of the big banks reporting their earnings for the third quarter. The hard-hit S&P 500 energy and financial sectors managed to close the session with slight gains after a late afternoon rally. And uh, Jana Sampson, co-chief investment officer at Oakbrook Investments in Lyle, Illinois, said... People are starting to buy in, thinking the higher-flying growth stocks were oversold. They wanted to get in before next week, when the earnings really start coming. But until the U.S. and China reach a trade deal, the rebound in the stock market could be vulnerable, and investors recognize that. They're anxious about the impact of tariffs on corporate stocks. The uh, analyst said, if earnings come out good, I think this rally is sustainable if we don't get negative trade news. And trade news, of course, is the wild card. That is the big if. So the Dow Industrial Average up 287 points for the day, closing the day and the week at 25,340. The S&P 500 gained 38 points to end the week at 2767, and the Nasdaq Composite added 168 points to end the week at 7497. The technology sector's biggest boosts were Apple and Microsoft, which went up more than 3%. Visa and MasterCard both climbed uh, almost 5%, boosted by strong credit card sales included in bank earnings reports. And uh, the S&P 500's financial sector ended the day up a tenth of a percent, PNC Financial led the percentage losers among bank stocks today with a drop of 5.6% after the regional bank reported disappointing quarterly loan profit. But uh, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company closed down 1% despite reporting a quarterly profit that beat expectations. The three gainers among banks today included Citigroup up 2% and Wells Fargo, which managed a one and a third percent gain. 
Netflix and Amazon, some of the names that took a big hit in the week sell-off, rose 5.7% for Netflix and 4% for Amazon. And the bank results launched the quarterly report season that will give the clearest picture yet of the impact on profits from President Trump's trade war with China. And so as we look ahead to a heavy trading week and earnings reports next week, the earnings of S&P 500 companies are estimated now to have risen 21.5% in the third quarter. And we'll see how close that gets as we get the report starting next week. Goldman Sachs Group will report results from the third quarter on Tuesday. And the under the leadership of Lloyd Blankfein, whose tenure as CEO was slated to end on September 30th, the conference call with analysts will give incoming CEO David Solomon an opportunity to begin publicly making his mark on the company or choose to leave all the talking to his financial officer. A raft of Dow 30 companies will report next week. Names like Johnson & Johnson, United Health Group, Procter & Gamble Company, IBM, Travelers Companies, and American Express Company. Johnson & Johnson expected to report a higher third quarter profit. United Health Group will report third quarter earnings, and uh, they'll be watching the health industry on that one. And then on reports, the Federal Reserve next week will release industrial production data. That'll happen on Tuesday. And according to a Reuters survey of economists, production likely rose just two-tenths of a percent in September. That would be lower than its August reading when it reached four-tenths of a percent. That uh, number went up four-tenths of a percent. And the NAHB Housing Market Index also due on Tuesday. Wednesday, housing starts forecast to have gone down in a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1,228,000 units in, in September. And again, the Federal Reserve Board governors will be on the speaking circuit next week, making appearances at various economic meetings across the country. Back to the earnings report, Honeywell International will report. Schlumberger and Schlumberger expected to post an increase in their third quarter profit on Friday. And markets will turn to BlackRock's third quarter results on Tuesday as it offers a peek into investor sentiment after the volatile quarter that featured a wide gap in performance between booming U.S. stocks and flatlining international stocks as well as continued pressure on bonds. Abbott Laboratories will be reporting next week. Domino's Pizza expected to report an increase in third quarter sales as it benefits from its digital investments in digital delivery services such as Domino's Hotspots. And then a look at the airline industry on Tuesday when United Airlines reports its third quarter profit. 
Looking at the oil market, the U.S. oil drilling rig count rose this week for the first time in four weeks, boosting the number of rigs in the nation's biggest oil field to the most in nearly four years. And despite the shutting down in the Gulf of uh, several of those uh, wells, uh, the oil market seemed to handle it, and oil producers seemed to be getting back into production in some of the wells that were shut down. But all in all, it's going to be a busy week again, and eyes on Sears, because they apparently are late or delaying at least payments to some vendors, and that adds to concern about its future. After earlier in the week, we were told that they were getting ready to file for bankruptcy. Well, we'll take a look at what happened agriculturally because there was also a report of interest this week from the USDA, and I'll be talking to Jerry Gulkey of the Gulkey Group when we continue on the markets, sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. Jerry Gulkey of the Gulkey Group joins us in the studio this week. We had a major report, the October report, and my first question is, you know, any surprises? No, none really. Um, the, uh, they didn't raise the yield probably as much as a lot of people thought, and that was kind of a bullish slant or a, it was a, a false positive perhaps or something. Still a lot of corn, still a lot of beans, and, uh, and maybe uh, depending on the weather in North Dakota and South Dakota, where they get, uh, lose many up there due to the, due to the weather, uh, that may still increase a little bit down the road, but uh, uh, so uh, pretty sublime, uh, except for uh, once again the feed grain uh, usage for corn uh, did not increase it; they decreased it again. And I want to read the Wazi report just to see what their rationale is behind it, because if anybody has never read the Wazi report, it's good to read their rationale in the end as to how they come up with certain things, and it ex- helps explains uh, kind of uh, the uh, protocol they use and uh, and uh, eliminates some some questions. That person has in his mind so he gets a better handle on just how they got there from here you know because we do have more hogs yeah. and we do have more cattle yeah yes we had, and that and unless something's wrong with the numbers you know and that would be good news if we had less we come to find out but i don't know when when they reconcile that fact i think usually at the end of end of september when they have the final september one stocks report that determines the year-end carryout that's when they can massage things that come up with some deficiency it's kind of like balancing your checkbook you know at the end of the year and saying well also oh, this is where the money went or it didn't go and they didn't do it this time they came up with more we had 138 million more stocks in the september report than we than we thought that we'd have any numbers that would affect livestock producers like cattle and hog producers gosh you know this whole thing um when you look at the our economy that's been rip-roaring really for eight years and then accelerated when uh when trump got in office uh there's nothing in there that slows it down that you can blame on agriculture we've had cheap food for 10 years now really and i recall back when we were getting crucified pretty much for burning corn for ethanol and people were starving you know and that's nobody talks 
about that anymore. So there's uh, there's a lot you can do with three and a half dollar cash corn or three dollar corn wherever we happen to be. If you're in the northern plains, it's it's worse. So there really isn't that that isn't a detriment to making money in, in livestock. So it should be pretty decent for the livestock person. President Trump's announcement that he's going to start work on getting E15 the year round mm-hmm. significant for corn growers. Well, it doesn't hurt. We need all the help we can get, and uh, and that this is the thing that we are are not doing. We're not curbing demand by these cheap prices. We may be reorganizing some things, but and uh, but the whole whole uh, world is really going well. You don't hear about a, a, a Greece crisis again, or there's some of the talk in Europe uh, slowing down a little bit from a from a good economy and backing off a little, which you'd expect. So really, uh, we need to use more uh, ethanol, and uh, that's going to help. It's going to take time to get the um, process, I think, in line with where we have E15 uh, uh, um, uh, filling stations. But if you want to use it, you can. You know, it's not that easy. But if once if you get on online, and all farmers ought to do that. You know, we ought to all burn E85. And I filled my tank yesterday on the way into Chicago from the farm, and uh, I paid a dollar a gallon less than uh, than regular uh, E10. And that works. I don't care what the inefficiencies are. You know, if they're 20%, that's like paying 220 or 240 for gasoline versus uh, almost 380. And I'm still saving 40 cents a gallon. So we need to, we need to, farmers ought to do you 100% uh, E85, let alone E15. You know? And I don't know about you, but I get very tired of the, well, I call it false information. Right. Used by the American Petroleum Institute. They're still using arguments that we've disproved. Well, it, it's amazing the, uh, the, the, uh, the leverage they have with any administration, it seems like, and and this one is no exception because we've certainly we got seventy five dollar uh, oil, you know, and Harold Ham feels pretty good about that in North Dakota and in Texas, and and um, so they've gotten their uh, their, their due, and uh, I you know a lot of farmers feel like we've been kind of not sold down the river, but we kind of got got hurt a little bit with this RINs deal, and now some of these uh, these small ethanol plants getting out from under having to make ethanol. I think that cost us some bushels. I've heard as much as two or three hundred million that we lost because they didn't have to produce ethanol. And uh, and now we're going to get that back a little bit. But the amount, as I understand, is like maybe 80 or 90 million bushels of corn uh, or, or gallons, I believe it is, we're going to use. So it, it helps. It doesn't hurt. But I think the real kicker is in our export market. And you remember back when China gave us this offer for 60 million billion and they were going to buy more uh, more ethanol, more DDGs, and more natural gas and we said no we want 300 billion uh, that would have helped a lot an awful lot and I and I think if they look back at it I think every one of the negotiators would have liked to have that that one back and said okay let's set aside agriculture we've got it now now let's work on our on our on our t- technological problems and that could take years to resolve and we missed a good missed an opportunity there I think that uh, and we're going to pay for that for some time you farm in North Dakota mm-hmm. on the border with Canada yeah is there a shooting war between Canada and the U.S. for the dairy farmers yet? No, not yet. But the, but you know that's going to take a while too. Yeah, it's going to take uh, maybe it would be a year before we see the really the benefits of it because it's got to go through Congress. But no, we have we actually have Gulky Group has some clients that that farm on both sides of the border, so we all get along and we all understand each other. But uh, you know they have some benefits that we haven't been able to partake in for some time. And of course they can bring spring wheat into Minneapolis as a delivery point now, which is kind of kind of difficult for us to go that other direction but and they've become a competitor of ours probably in soybeans they raised a lot of soybeans the last two years and that whole border has gone further and further north you know over the years 
Finally, on trade issues, uh, NAFTA is gone, but we have, I don't know how to pronounce it, so NAFTA was yeah, easy, right. but we have another agreement still yeah. to be ratified, uh, ready to go, yeah. and generally speaking, good news for grain farmers? Yeah, I don't think we got hurt any, and but, but it took a while to get us back to where we were originally, really, and it was really the, and as one person once told me, there are a lot more people that are going to, that are uh, factory workers that are going to vote for in an election than what may not vote as farmers because they didn't get what they needed. So I think this was all about jobs, and you create more jobs making a car than you do selling another 100 million bushels of corn or beans, and, and it was all about politics in this one. But uh, certainly the dairy, dairymen, they needed it, and this this helps. You know, 3.5% or whatever of a big number is still a pretty good deal for us, And but it'll take time. It certainly wasn't a step backwards. And one thing I have to talk about, because I've been saying for a long time, the Mississippi River is quite a weather change. And when you looked at uh, the latest weekly harvest progress report, Illinois on the east side of the river harvested 63% of its corn crop. Iowa on the western side, 18%. Soybeans, Illinois harvested... let me see, 51%, and Iowa only 18%. Yeah. That division makes quite a difference, well, doesn't I've, it? I've got friends and clients in the northwestern part of Iowa that have, have not started uh, soybeans yet. And these are 10,000, 5,000 acre farmers that went after corn and the beans were wet and it just kept raining and raining and kind of like we suffered in northern Illinois. If you look at the weather maps, which you do every week, there's that vein that comes over the top of Iowa and comes right over Rockford this year. We've had seven inches of rain this last week and we had two other bouts of seven inches of rain and it did affect my soybeans on heavy untiled ground heavy clay ground they were not what i had hoped they would be but better than normal but still uh, not that i didn't i don't see any of the 80 90 bushel stuff that we hear about in the south you know as a matter of fact i have heard 100 bushel per acre soybeans yeah that was a that was a test spot years ago in northern illinois and i thought i wanted i wonder if i'd live long enough to see it while we made it (laughs) i guess we did well jerry thank you for taking time to visit with us and a successful harvest for you in North Dakota. Thank you. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. Before we look at some of the agricultural numbers that go beyond what we talked about with Jerry Gulkey, we're going to say hello to an incoming president, the president-elect of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Jennifer Houston. I talked to her at that cattleman's event in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, 
and asked her to talk about her cattle operation. Okay, my husband and I own a family-owned livestock auction market in Sweetwater, Tennessee. Uh, we, all, we also stocker cattle. We feed a lot of cattle. We do some heifer development. Because when you're in the market business, you're pretty much in all of the cattle business at, at different times. And how many auctions a year? Uh, we sell about uh, 75 days a year. We have one weekly sale and then about 26 uh, times a year we have an a extra sale on Fridays. And you told me that you do have some specialty sales. What is the most unique sale maybe that you have? Probably the most unique sale that we have are our whole graded Holstein steer sales. They're modeled after our graded feeder calf sales in that the cattle are brought in on sale day. They're weighed. Um, the state grades them according to feeder calf grades and the Holsteins are slightly modified grade put some in pens of like kind and we sell them basically in tractor trailer load lots uh, when we can if not in large groups so that every small farmer gets the pen price for his animal whether he has one five or fifty and family involved uh, Mark's dad was involved until his death my children one is a lobbyist with the American Seed Trade Association in DC so ag policy is in her blood also and my son is uh, finishing his, or just started his doctorate, finished his master's in biosystems engineering at the University of Tennessee. You have some bright young people in the family. I hope so, I hope so. <laughs> so let's look ahead to the end of January when you will no longer be president-elect, you will be president. What are some of the items on your agenda? Well, I want to continue this, this strong state and national partnership, and we're here at the Yavapai uh, County Cattlemen's Cattle Growers Association, and they really epitomize what makes NCBA so great, uh, that our county associations and what they started back in 1932 of contributing to the National Association through our state associations all the way up to national. We're truly a grassroots organization that that values the opinions of every one of our members, whether in the high desert of Arizona or back in the hills and valleys of Tennessee. The trade situation has been on the topic at every farm organization. How basic is it to your organization, your concern over the trade issues? Well, trade is of top priority for us. Uh, tariffs might not be what we would have chosen, but we do support the president as he tries to get past our non-scientific, non-tariff trade barriers. Uh, problems we've had with the EU and China through the years, uh, whether it's talking about technology that we use that we think uh, have been artificial trade barriers through the years. So if we can get rid of some of those, uh, it'll reap benefits for all cattle producers. Jeanette Houston, the president-elect of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. She will take office on the uh, at the end of January at the annual meeting of the NCBA. And it's kind of interesting that in the month of January, we have annual conventions of two major farm organizations, and they're both being held in New Orleans. Not at the same time, early in the month, the American Farm Bureau Federation will go to New Orleans for its annual convention, and then starting the last day of the month, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association will hold its convention in New Orleans. So New Orleans is the agricultural convention center, at least for the first month of 2019. We are still 
trying to uh, value all of the damage done by Hurricane Michael following Hurricane Florence. And the uh, director of agriculture for uh, Georgia is uh, commenting on the destruction to crops and buildings and farming operations there. The uh, commissioner, Gary Black, said, Hurricane Michael's impact has been the most widespread and devastating hurricane in recollection to impact Georgia's agriculture industry. He said crops, animals, and infrastructure have taken a substantial loss. And he concluded by saying, we are thankful for the safety of our farmers and families in South Georgia. Power and products can be restored, but human lives cannot. And Tom Windhausen of Mitchell County, Georgia, a a cotton farmer, says he has seen more cotton left in the field after he picked than what is left now after the hurricane rains came through. And while we've been seeing all of the devastation in urban areas, we sometimes forget or overlook the damage it does in rural areas. Winds of 120 miles an hour in Georgia uh, destroyed vulnerable cotton, peanuts, pecans, and vegetable crops, in addition to significant property damage. And he said early reports indicate damage to aerial applicator aircraft hangars, to chicken houses, cotton gins, and of course homes on farms in Georgia. But that's just one other state that was impacted by the wrath of Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Michael. Begin to wonder when this hurricane season is going to end. It should be pretty soon. Another development this week, the uh, Monsanto unit owned by Bayer will get a new trial on the $250 million in punitive damages awarded by a jury to a groundskeeper who alleged the company's glyphosate-based weed killers, including Roundup, gave him cancer. But there will be a new trial, at least on the punitive damage part of it, San Francisco's Superior Court of California, Judge Suzanne Bolanos, granted Monsanto's motion for a new trial on punitive damages. But again, I have to wonder where we're going on this lawsuit dollar value that we're beginning to see, particularly impacting agriculture, because a jury... Well, first of all, let me say the value of life is, well, you can't come up with a value on life freely but on august 10th a jury in san francisco found monsanto failed to warn school groundskeeper dwayne johnson and other consumers of the cancer risks posed by its weed killers it awarded 39 million dollars in compensatory damage but get this $250 million in punitive damages. Uh, That's a tough one to figure out, but I guess it's for real. So let's take a look at where we're going to start trading in the markets on on Monday when we once again start. Let's hope that Wall Street settles down a little bit. 
But in the grain market on Monday, the uh, December wheat will start at five seventeen and a quarter after gaining nine and three quarter cents a bushel today. December corn will start at three seventy three and three quarters after gaining four cents today. And November soybeans will start Monday's trade at eight sixty seven and a half after gaining nine and a quarter cents a bushel today. And then what about livestock? Well, the uh, cattle market uh, got hit a little bit today. The October live cattle will start trading on Monday at $112.37. 100 weight dropped 25 cents today. October feeder cattle will start at 154.65 after dropping $2.07 a hundred weight today. And February lean hogs will start at 62.22 after losing 27 cents a hundred weight today. Well, it has happened again. We're out of time. And my thanks to you for joining us every week here on The Markets. The market sponsored by the CME Group.